Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to play for you the audio from Spectra Magic. That was the nighttime parade spectacular that they had going on in the Magic Kingdom from about 1991 till about 2010. And I'll get into the dates a little bit more in a minute. But I wanted to spend a few minutes before I played the audio and talk about what the show was, how it came to be, and a little bit more detail around it. It was a really amazing nighttime spectacular. So you may be aware that Disney had started with the Main Street Electrical Parade coming to the Magic Kingdom uh, sometime in the early 1970s. It was shortly after park opening. But by the 20th anniversary, Disney wanted to come up with something different, something bigger, something more spectacular. And they wanted to leverage some of the other characters and things that they had out there. So they set about coming up with an even bigger and better show than what they had for the Main Street Electrical Parade. The Main Street Electrical Parade had sort of that Uh, 1976 view of the world in mind, where you were talking about things that were available then. Pete's Dragon was the big film of the day, and there was a lot of other little things that were patriotic in nature nature because it was the 1970s and you were heading into the the, uh, bicentennial for the United States. So it was time for an update, you know, sort of a change to it. So Disney uh, set about coming up with the idea for a new parade. And one of the things they did was they wanted a musical score that would really encapsulate what they wanted it to be. So they turned to John Debney. John had done a bunch of different musical scores for movies, television shows, and for even some uh, Disney productions. They had done uh, Disney's Wonderful World of Color in the 1982, in 1982 or so. Uh, he was the uh, composer of the music that went on with that. So he was familiar with sort of the Disney sort of mindset on what they wanted to have in terms of the uh, overall feeling. So he created this, this um, sound spectacular that kind of went along with this idea of a big parade, right? A spectral magic parade and wrote the music for it. And he scored in music that was uh, relative to, uh, relevant to some of the shows and some of the movies that were involved in some of the uh, parade as well. So when you look at the parade, there was different segments in the parade and he kind of moved the music fluidly from the the main parade music down into this uh, music that uh, came from these movies. So it was really, really clever and a nicely designed piece of music that way. But not only that, Disney wanted to have a whole bunch of different things that they put in there uh, that would be different that had never been seen before. So while they had the Main Street Electrical Parade that did a lot of uh, light show type things, they wanted to take it further. It's 1990, 1991, and they wanted to start using some of the newer technologies. So they invested in some new LED light technologies. Today, that's pretty commonplace, but at the time, that was fairly new. You didn't have a lot of LEDs being used in a lot of productions. They also wanted to have some some of these... um, uh, these other light type sources, they had some uh, some micro lights, some other uh, some other uh, fibers, you know, fiber optic type things where they'd have light coming through, and uh, they were able to change the color on these lights too, which was something that was kind of unusual. Before you had to do it with multiple bulbs, now you could do it with a single uh, point where you could just light it up differently. 
So this was something new that had never been done. And they also had some uh, technology they were using, uh, limited though it may have been by today's standards, it was pretty unique at the time. They had some motion sensing devices. They had some things that would turn on and off based on direction you were facing and things like that. So you would have some really interesting uh, things that would happen with the visuals as you were looking at it. It was very, very clever, kind of smart, new, unique, and uh, really encapsulated something new that Disney had never done. Now this show opened on the 20th anniversary of October 1st, 1991, and it closed on May 21st, 1999, just before the millennium. Now, the idea was they wanted to move the show out to California and have it appear out there for a period of time. So for a few years, it was out in California. But then when they started to build the wonderful world of color out in California, they realized they needed to move the Spectrum Magic show away from there. So they brought it back to Florida, put the Main Street Electrical Parade effectively in mothballs, and then brought Spectrum Magic back to the Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World. And it started on April 2nd, 2001, and went for another almost nine years uh, at the uh, Magic Kingdom. And finally closing on June 4th, 2010. So there was actually two runs of it that uh, spanned over the course of almost 20 years. The um, interesting thing was at the end of the run in uh, June of 2010, Disney moved the um, entirety of the parade to a storage facility where it had, it had never been before. They were planning on maybe mothballing it for a while and then bringing it back, but Really what happened was it was the, the beginning of the end for the parade. The parade sat in some old unused storage facilities and because of that, it went into disrepair and ultimately they wound up uh, destroying most of the uh, floats and, and uh, design elements and they no longer have them. They don't exist anymore. They finally announced in 2013 that they didn't have the, the production anymore. Uh, they didn't have any of the floats or any of the, uh, the lights anymore and um, that was the end of it. And it's kind of unfortunate. They kind of let it just die in a way, um, you know, just rot uh, for a couple of years in one space, which is kind of sad because then the Main Street Electrical Parade came back on stage at that point for a few years before they finally retired parades pretty completely at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World and also at Disneyland, obviously. Um, they uh, don't have any parades currently working at um, either of the parks, and I don't believe that they're going to bring them back at any point. So kind of sad in a way that they let this happen. Now, because this was, you know, newer technology in the early 1990s, and it now it was, you know, 20 years later, that technology was already starting to show its age anyway. Uh, you know, these battery-operated devices really weren't up to snuff with what you could build today. So if you really wanted to rebuild that entire parade or something like it, you could certainly do that. So the parade lasted about 20 minutes. Its uh, host was Jiminy Cricket, which was kind of fun. That made it kind of interesting. And the parade was ostensibly about Mickey Mouse along with the Spectrum Magic Spectrumen who created the power of Spectrum Magic. After the first part of the parade, there were um, five different themes that came through. The world of, worlds of music from the Silly Symphonies, the wonder of Sleeping Beauty's Garden, the fantasy of the Little Mermaid's Ocean because the Little Mermaid was the big deal of the day. It was the uh, movie that was really making the, uh, the imagination run wild. It was Disney's big splash into the movie industry again. The imagination of Fantasia and the world of dreams in a grand Disney cavalcade. So when they uh, got it together and uh, it was running, there were actually uh, 23 units of parade uh, elements um, that uh, had 39 floats. That's just remarkable how big it was and how, how many things were in there. 
it's believed there were about 65 to 70 performers that routinely performed in the parade, about 45 Disney characters who would appear in and around the floats, um, 14 of these Spectre men who would wear these uh, like almost um, capes that had lights on them. They would usually carry, uh, they would be carrying horns and playing along with music. There were eight butterflies that would fly along. They had these, um, these uh, ball people that would kind of like uh, move around a little bit and, uh, and so on. And it was really remarkable um, just how many people and how big this parade was. I mean, you don't usually see parades that kind of go in this, in this sort of direction. Now, it was kind of neat, too, because within the parade itself, in the units from the Silly Symphonies, they had the uh, Spectrum Magic Trumpeters, the uh, Whirly Balls, those are the balls I was talking about, um, the big title unit that said Spectrum Magic, uh, Mickey Mouse on it, and then the Silly Symphonies, uh, which were four floats connected together with the hippopotamuses and the ostriches and so forth. Then you went on to the Wonder of Sleeping Beauty's Garden, which had um, three different units uh, that related back to the Sleeping Beauty story. The Little Mermaid had a giant fish unit, the School of Fish unit, the Ursula unit, uh, the Little Mermaid unit, which actually had three floats in it, and the orange fish and the gray fish that kind of went behind. And it was really neat because uh, Ariel was up at the top and um, I believe her name was Lee, was the lead Ariel who was in this, uh, in this parade um, for most of its run from 91 until uh, when it closed in 99. And she was, she was really terrific. She was a really good Ariel. Um, then you had the imagination of uh, uh, Fantasia, which uh, included the Fantasia opening unit, the Bacchus unit, um, which would be the uh, sort of the, the thematics part of it, the Diana unit, which had three separate floats that went to the uh, music of Diana, and then you had the Chernabog. And the Chernabog was one of the coolest things about this parade because it was a mountain, and all of a sudden the mountain would open up, and you would have the, you would have the wings of the Chernabog, and it would light up, and his eyes would light up, and it was really, really cool. And then in the last part, you had the uh, finale, which was three separate floats, the carousel and, the, uh, and a second uh, float, which was really the end part of it. And each of these was, you know, kind of independently run. So you'd hear different music within them. And they were, they were this was the first time Disney had really run a parade that was uh, fully automated. Um, there were still drivers inside the, uh, inside the floats, but they were automated based on the spacing on the ground. And there were some things that happened to stop and start them that uh, really uh, did change the way they, they, the parade float worked. Um, they had never done this before. So it was really cool to kind of see it. And I highly recommend watching a video of it if you've never seen it. It was a remarkable parade. It really was something unique and different. And uh, it really was kind of fun. And I, I really like this one. And that's why I wanted to play the music for you today. I thought it just kind of captured something and it just was kind of neat. So without further ado, here is the music from Spectra Magic. The spectacle, the sparkling sensation, where the romance, the comedy, and the thrill of Disney fantasies come to electric life. And now, 
Kingdom proudly presents in a million points of musical light the magical worlds of Disney and spectral magic.
all the humans. Aren't they just wonderful? Ah! Ariel! What does she say? Let me give you a little soft shell advice tonight. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you, what more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better, darling, it's better, take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day, out in the sun, they sleep away. While we're devoting full time to floating under the sea. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Sebastian, that's enough now. Swim along. Ah! Oh, yes, Your Majesty. Of course, Your Majesty. A little faster fin, please.
Spectral Magic. Isn't that cool? I love the Spectral Magic Parade. I, I like it so much better than the uh, Main Street Electrical Parade. I always found the Main Street Electrical play, Parade to be a little boring in a way. I mean, nothing wrong with it. It's, it's a fine parade, but it doesn't really capture the imagination the way Spectra Magic does. And I really like Spectra Magic, and I'm glad to uh, play this music for you. Now, before I end this podcast, I wanted to give you one little nugget of information that I heard, and that's about the Carousel of Progress. Now, there's always this concern about the Carousel of Progress being dated, older, only open seasonally. What's going to happen to it? Is it going to open? Is it going to stay open? Is it going to close? What's it going to do? Well, it seems like it's going to get a new life. Uh, in, in fact, the thing is that Walt Disney actually touched the Carousel of Progress. You could find his fingerprints, probably literally, on some of the components that are in there. And uh, it's kind of neat because he actually touched it and worked on it. It's one of the last things he worked on during the World's Fair. And it actually still exists, mostly in its, in its original form, uh, there at the Magic Kingdom. But there's a story going around that it's going to receive a new life, that it's going to actually get a little attention, probably much needed attention. And they're going to uh, go ahead and add uh, that last element where it's wintertime um, slash the 1990s, uh, where you have Christmas in the, uh, in the scene, that they're going to update that and make it a little more current. So you would still be at the original turn of the century, the 1920s, the 1940s, and then you would skip ahead to uh, current day. So that's kind of the, the tentative plan. It would get a new storyline for that last piece. The first three pieces would remain more or less as they have always been. And the other part to it is that they're talking about having Tom Hanks come in and do the uh, narration. Currently, it's Gene Shepard, and uh, Gene's got an interesting way of doing it. Gene, of course, is from Toy, uh, Christmas Story, not Toy Story, from the uh, movie A Christmas Story, and uh, he actually wrote that book or the original short story, I guess, that became the novelization that became the movie. Um, but anyway, this was a, uh, this, this, that Tom Hanks would be coming in to replace Gene Shepard's audio narration to be the host. So he would be the father in each one of the scenes and talking to you. And I think that's really cool. I, you know, after having seen um, Tom Hanks play Walt Disney in the uh, story about the Mary Poppins movie and how it came to be, I thought he did a really nice job. So this would be a nice little tribute and a nice way to do it. Now, Tom Hanks is a huge fan of Disney, obviously, and uh, he's got a lot of uh, minor connections along the way. And uh, I did find a clip of Tom Hanks in an interview singing uh, the song, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. So I wanted to just play that for you for a moment because I thought that was really cool and it may give you that little taste of what it could be like. Oh, them. Oh, it's a great big beautiful it's tomorrow. A great, big, That's beautiful it. The, the tomorrow. theme to the Carousel of Progress. Yes. Uh, it's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, which, oddly enough, I kind of believe this in yes. the same thing, you starting at it. the end of every day. By the way, they wrote this for the General Electric Corporation, so <laughs> it's a little bit of corporate hackery at the same time. Uh, right. But it's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, and tomorrow is just a dream away. Man has a dream, and that's a start. He follows his dream with mind and heart, and when it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. Yes, it's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, starting at the end of every day. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation, right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. And for my one little spark segment, I'd like to talk about us as a nation. There was an assault on democracy an assault on the Capitol that happened from within. 
And if we look back at the great moments with Mr. Lincoln when he was talking about uh, moments of great peril in our nation, he talked about how the only way to defeat us as a nation is for it to rise up with, from within. No army from around the world can take a, a drink from the Mississippi or walk across the, uh, the, the Rocky Mountains because we're, we're that great. But if it rises up from within, that's a different story, right? We have to prevent that from happening. And he wasn't talking specifically about the Civil War or any one, uh, any general thing. He was talking about one specific thing, but I think the nature of it still should drive us forward and to think about how we can be better and how we can do more. And then uh, CEO Bob Chapek from Disney said, uh, quote, now more than ever, it is imperative that we come together as one nation, united by our shared values, including decency, kindness, and respect for others, end quote. And honestly, that was the whole point of my one little spark segment. We can do more. You know, when you hear people talking about what if the people who had assaulted the Capitol, who, who did the, uh, the raid on the Capitol, what if they had been black? You know, and it's a fair question, and I can't begin to answer that, but it should never even be a question. That's where the differences lie in this country, that we still have this problem that we need to get past. We need to be one nation. We need to get together. We need to not fight amongst ourselves and just get to the point of actually doing more. Look, we need to hold the people accountable who did did these things. You know, in effect, they've uh, they've created they've created uh, mistrust and distrust, and uh, they've assaulted the capital, and they need to be held accountable for that. And that's all there is to it. But beyond that, the rest of us need to come together as one nation. You know, it might be time to call your uh, uncle who thinks differently than you do, or your friend, or another relative who who has a different opinion about things, and just talk about, let's say, Disney. And, um, you know, what Disney is doing, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, you know, maybe talk about your favorite attraction when you're planning on going back. Anything that, you know, kind of takes us down a path where we find common ground. I think that's really what I want to say here is that, you know, we need to find that moment, that place, that thing that allows us to have common ground where we're leading toward a better tomorrow. I don't know what the answers are for all these things. All I know is we do need to be kind and decent to one another. We need to treat each other with respect. We need to stop these um, these silly things where we're saying, well, that guy's wrong and this person's wrong and I'm better than you and all those things. We just need to work together as one nation and, you know, do, do the right things. And that's my one little spark for today. So I want to encourage you to think a little differently, consider what you can do in your world to make it better and do the things that you can do to make it better. And that's it. That's all I wanted to say. So that is my pod podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. 
Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 